going on, everybody? This is the Locked On Nittany Lions Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day right here, we're talking Penn State football, and today is Monday, January 27th, 2020. Happy to get another week started with you guys talking some Nittany Lions. And we have a few topics to get into today. It's the offseason, but there's still no shortage of conversation regarding the Penn State Nittany Lions. So we'll get into a couple things today, including some Big Ten title odds for the upcoming year and a big question about the success of this offense going into the 2020 season, in particular with the wide receiver position. Got some news and nuggets to get into in there as well. Before we get started, I want to make sure you're subscribed to these podcasts on all of your favorite podcasting apps such as iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio. We're also on iHeartRadio. We have an RSS feed too, so if I didn't mention your favorite podcasting app, maybe you can add that RSS feed to whatever you're using to listen to your favorite podcast. And once you're subscribed, please take a minute of your time whenever you get a chance this week to leave a rating, leave a review. It helps with the placement of this podcast on those various podcasting apps. And we genuinely appreciate the feedback and the support that you guys are lending to us along the way as we try to continue to grow this podcast in 2020. Of course, we also want you to be a part of the podcast. So make sure you're subscribing to us on Twitter, following us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. And check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. A lot of stuff to get into in today's episode, so let's go ahead and get started. I wasn't really sure how to start today's episode because I had a whole draft of topics I was going to discuss in today's episode to get our week started, Uh, talking some Penn State football, of course, but... When breaking news such as what uncovered Sunday afternoon with the passing of Kobe Bryant uh, sent shockwaves around the sports world, I felt like it was uh, inappropriate to really just ignore the whole topic. I mean, this is the biggest sports story of the day uh, from Sunday, and I'm sure it's going to be carrying on today as we're getting through our Monday and potentially for the days to come as this continues to, you know, send shockwaves throughout the, not just the basketball world, but really the sports world in general, because I think uh, the more time has passed, the more sports stardom seems to cross over into different aspects of the sports world. Uh, you know, football players today, I'm sure, know who Kobe is and, you know, and probably admired Kobe to a certain degree. And, you know, it kind of put the same kind of work ethic and mentality that Kobe Bryant put into the sport of basketball into their own football lives or their own baseball lives or hockey, whatever the sport may be. I think the competitive nature that Kobe Bryant really possessed on a regular basis for as long as he played in the NBA certainly is something that every athlete and really anybody can strive for in whatever it is they do with their lives. And I think uh, there's a lot of lessons to be learned from the way that Kobe Bryant carried himself as a professional basketball player. Now, I know, say what you will about some of the things that have happened in Kobe Bryant's life. Uh, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, it all makes him a part of the man he eventually became to be. I think you can learn from your mistakes. I think you can learn from your 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 down moments uh, when you've made some costly judgments. Uh, I think there's a lot to be made out of that in how you move forward. And you know, this is not to forgive Kobe Bryant for anything he may have done in his past, but certainly I think when you look at the man that Kobe Bryant seemed to be, at least in the public eye, at the time of his death on Sunday, at just the age of 41. I think there's a lot of uh, reflection that I think a lot of people can do into their own lives. And I think that, uh, like I said, I think that Kobe Bryant really does transcend just the basketball world. I think he's a he's an icon, basically. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think he's one of those stars 
from the basketball world that every athlete, any person can look up to you know, for any number of reasons. You know, hard work, dedication to the craft, uh, say what you will. Uh, I think Kobe Bryant was certainly one of the best. And you know, it's funny because I actually, you know, I grew up a Sixers fan living in the Philadelphia when I first started really following the NBA as much as I do, not hardcore or anything, but it was at the time that Allen Iverson was really, you know, taking over the league and with his persona and uh, he and Kobe Bryant were very different athletes, you know, um, they approached things very differently, but I grew up following Allen Iverson and the Sixers and of course back in uh, 2001. That was when uh, Allen Iverson led the Sixers into the NBA Finals against Kobe Bryant and Shaq and that dominant Lakers team of that of that era. And you know, winning game one for the Sixers was pretty much the height of achievement for that Sixers team because they lost the next four games. Kobe Bryant uh, delivered on his promise to rip Philadelphia's hearts out. And you know, at the time, I wasn't really a big Kobe fan for those reasons alone. But you know, as I grew older and grew more mature in how I viewed sports, at least I feel like I've matured in how I view sports. I certainly came to appreciate and respect the what Kobe Bryant was on the basketball court. And uh, you, you'll never find me say a negative thing about the way he played the game. I know some people say maybe he was a ball hog or anything like that. But no, I mean, he was certainly a hardworking guy who would leave it all, all out on the court. And I think that's all you can ask for an athlete. But really, to get back to the major idea here, you know, when a star in any sport passes the way that Kobe Bryant did, dying in a helicopter crash in California, which is 13-year-old daughter Gianna on board. And, and of course, uh, three others, I believe, were involved in the helicopter crash as well. Uh, no, nobody, nobody survived this thing. And you know, Kobe Bryant obviously is going to be the headliner because of his icon status. Uh, but you know, we have to think about the families that are affected by this, the friends that are affected by this. This is a widespread uh, tragedy in every sense of the word and of course like i said you know kobe bryant's going to be the main talking point because he's the one that everybody knows he'll be the face of this uh tragic accident uh, with the helicopter in california and he's going to be the one that really generates a lot of the discussion moving forward uh this is not the first time a retired sports star uh to the the level of uh, kobe bryant has passed on by this way, by this way, with an air traffic accident, you know, just a few years back, uh, Roy Halladay, former Toronto Blue Jays pitcher, Philadelphia Phillies pitcher, he died in a plane crash after he had retired. Uh, it happened on my birthday, actually. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you go back years before, of course, Roberto Clemente, uh, you know, longtime Pittsburgh Pirates icon, of course, uh, he died in a plane crash. So unfortunately, I don't know what to say when things like this happens. Uh, but like I said, I didn't feel it was appropriate to move on with today's podcast until we at least address that. And so if anybody has any thoughts or comments about Kobe Bryant, a man who had absolutely no ties to Penn State football, unless I'm just completely oblivious or completely ignorant to any of those uh, connections or, or the Penn State basketball or any Penn State sports in general, this is a man that had absolutely no connection to Penn State as far as I know. Uh, but it's still something that's going to resonate. I'm seeing a lots of videos as I'm recording this of the way that the Kobe Bryant news has been spreading around the world of sports. Now, most of it has been in the basketball world uh, where the, the game between the Toronto Raptors and the San Antonio Spurs, both teams opened up with 24 shot uh, clock violations. Uh, of course, honoring Kobe Bryant and his uh, uniform number 24 from when he played uh, after he switched from number eight. 
And I just saw a, a post-game video clip of uh, Michigan State basketball head coach uh, Tom Izzo informing one of his players that right before a post-game interview with, uh, I think, Andy Katz from uh, Fox Sports, he let him know that Kobe Bryant died in a, plane, uh, a helicopter accident. And you can see the stunned face on that basketball player. I'm sorry, I don't know his name. Uh, I don't really follow the, the, the Michigan State basketball program that closely, but you can see the, the stunned reaction as he's learning that Kobe Bryant passed away. That was pretty much everybody's reaction. So... Uh, with all that said, we're going to move on and we're going to talk some Penn State football in the next couple of segments here. But I did want to address that uh, because it is a sport uh, topic that will transcend the the basketball world and the football world, uh, really every every part of the sports world for these next couple of days. So I wanted to make sure I touched on it. So if you have any thoughts about Kobe Bryant, feel free to share them with us. You can get us on Twitter at LockedOnNitney. All right, let's get back on track talking some Penn State football and a few topics to get into in this particular segment. First and foremost, a couple of news and notes. Uh, one first thing I'm going to make sure you're all aware of is that the State Farm Football All-Star Challenge is this week. It's Friday, January 31st, live from the Dallas Cowboys Stadium in Arlington, Texas. And if you're unfamiliar with this event, it's an event that gathers some... You know, mostly underclassmen, but a few seniors here and there, I guess, of from college football going into the NFL draft. And it's a series of individual events and a team event. And the roster is broken down into conferences. So you've got a few players from the ACC, a few from the Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, and SEC. And then there's a team of wildcard players, which are players from non-power conferences. Now, this year's Big Ten team has four players. Two of them are from Penn State, actually. Uh, Yador Grossmatos, defensive end, is going to be on the team. And wide receiver KJ Hamler is going to be on the team. The other two Big Ten players will be Zach Bond, uh, linebacker from Wisconsin, and Iowa quarterback Nate Stanley. So not a bad little team. And I don't know, like I said, I don't know how many people are aware that this event exists. I know I've just became first aware of it last year, I think it was, just by randomly coming across it on the TV. I think Trace McSorley was in it for that Big Ten team. I don't remember who else was on that team. I'm sorry if there was another Penn State player on there. But again, I just found out about this event, but apparently it's been going on for a while. So it's a pretty cool thing because you get a chance to see some Penn State uh, players get a chance to go up and play in some fun competition and you know, a skills challenge. And who doesn't love a good skills challenge? Now, like I said, this kind of flies under the radar this time of year because there's a lot of focus on the Senior Bowl, which was this past weekend, the Shrine Game before that. And I think most eyes are kind of setting forward to the NFL Scouting Combine and, of course, all the different Pro Day events are going to be coming up. Don't know if Penn State has announced a Pro Day yet. I'll check on that and see if there's any update on that for our next podcast. But just something to keep an eye on. Like I said, you got a Gross Matos and KJ Hamlin. you got two Penn State players making up your four-player Big Ten team. That's good representation. And again, you got to remember, the, uh, a lot of these players are not going to be seniors because uh, you know these are the players that aren't eligible to play in most of these all-star competitions or these all-star games this time of year because a lot of those are reserved for seniors. So I think it's pretty cool to see an event like this get a chance to showcase some of the underclassmen that are going to be going into the uh, NFL draft. So the ACC is going to have uh, Cam Akers and A.J. Dillon, running backs from Florida State and Boston College, respectively. Virginia quarterback Bryce Perkins and North Carolina defensive lineman Jason Strobridge. Like I already went through the Big Ten team. The Big 12 team is going to have TCU defensive tackle Ross Blakelock, Blake Locke and uh, Oklahoma linebacker Kenneth Murray, along with TCU wide receiver Jalen Rager and Kansas quarterback Carter Stanley. Pac-12 team is going to have Salvin Ahmed, running back from Washington, uh, Utah defensive end Bradley N.A., uh, Arizona State running back Andrew Benjamin and Washington State quarterback Anthony Gordon. 
And that SEC team is going to be made up of a couple of Auburn and Alabama players. You got Alabama wide receiver Jared Judy, who's probably the highlight of this competition, as well as linebacker Terrell Lewis. And, you, of course, from Auburn, you got defensive end Nico And Vanderbilt quarterback Riley Neal will represent the, IC, the SEC. And then your team wildcard players, uh, Florida Atlantic tight end Harrison Bryant, really good tight end prospect. Uh, Lenore Ryan, safety Kyle Duggar. Nice little pull from the Division II world. And Utah State quarterback Jordan Love, along with Boise State defensive end Curtis Weaver. Not a bad little team of wildcard players, if I do say so. So I'd keep a close eye on them. I believe the Big Ten won this game last year or this competition last year. I think Big Ten's got another good chance this year, too, with the kind of talent that they have assembled for this event. Perhaps the biggest piece of Penn State news from this weekend was the official transfer destination or decision being made by now former Penn State wide receiver Justin Shorter. The the former five-star prospect has announced that he is going to be transferring to be a Florida Gator. So he will be transferring to Florida after one season on the field with the Nittany Lions. Uh, Didn't quite live up to some of the hype that a lot of people were hoping that he would with Penn State. We'll see if the change of scenery will benefit him moving forward, uh, being a part of that Dan Mullen offense with Florida. I I think he's got a pretty good future ahead of him. I think he probably could have worked out at Penn State, but hey, for whatever reason, he's heading on to Florida. Now, of course, uh, transfer rules will say that he's going to have to sit out this upcoming season. He'll still have a couple years of eligibility left at his disposal. So uh, unless there's a waiver request, it's going to be approved. And I don't know how the NCAA is going to react to a lot of those this year. I do think that uh, he's probably going to have to sit out the upcoming season and then we'll see him back on the field for the Gators in 2021. So this is the second year in a row that Penn State has lost one of its more talented or at least uh, high potential wide receivers to a transfer to another power conference program. Of course, last year it was Jawan Johnson moving on from Penn State to Oregon as a graduate transfer. And in this case, Justin Shorter is leaving very early in his collegiate career. So probably different circumstances at play here. But the bottom line is Penn State has lost uh, Jawan Johnson to Oregon. They're now losing Justin Shorter to Florida. And, of course, KJ Hamler is moving on a year early for the NFL. So three really talented wide receivers have decided to leave Penn State for whatever reason. And I don't know if I can necessarily blame any of those three players for any of those decisions. And you'll certainly never hear me criticize a player for deciding to transfer another to another program. You know, I know I've already attacked some people on Twitter for attacking Justin Shorter for making his decision the way he did. I don't feel that's necessary. I, I feel as though college players should be able to decide what's best for them. And nobody gets to decide what's best for them other than them and maybe their family. But I do feel like criticizing a player for leaving Penn State for another program for whatever the reasons may be is very immature and you just shouldn't do it. And I'll call out anybody who does do that. So just be warned. Don't be that guy on Twitter. I already called out a couple of you guys out there. Hopefully I don't have to call out too many more of you. But is this something that Penn State should be concerned about? And I do think that this is going to be a big question mark going into the 2020 season. We've kind of already addressed this a little bit, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it more as the offseason goes along. But the Penn State's key to success in 2020 as far as competing for a Big Ten championship, potentially a spot in their first college football playoff, is really going to be dependent on how the wide receivers play out. Because you know... Penn State has the running game. Those running backs are stocked right now. The defense is going to be okay. I don't know if it's going to be great, but I don't think it's going to be subpar. I think the defense is something that you can generally rely on being pretty good uh, moving forward for the Navy Lions. I do think that Sean Clifford is ready to grow from some of his experiences as a first-year full-time starter in 2019. I think he'll come back. He'll learn from uh, some of his highs and lows, 
and I think he'll continue to develop because there's a brand new coaching staff coming in here. So maybe a fresh set of minds. I know sometimes mixing up assistant coaches on a regular basis, as Penn State has seemingly been doing the last couple of years, that can be detrimental to some players. But I do think in this case, there's a lot of optimism moving forward about what could potentially be had here with this Penn State offense. So I do think that Sean Clifford getting a chance to work with Kirk Scirocco, the new offensive coordinator uh, and quarterbacks coach, I, th- I think this is going to be a an interesting fit moving forward. And of course, last week we talked about the hiring of new wide receivers coach Taylor Stubblefield, who's going to be coming in uh, after his brief stay with the Miami Hurricanes. And of course, he's made a number of other stops along the way. Uh, former Purdue wide receiver. There's a lot going on here with the whole offenses uh, look going into the season. And the passing game is going to be crucial to Penn State's success because if they don't have wide receivers that are going to be able to catch footballs. That's going to be a big problem, especially with the loss of KJ Hamler, your biggest speedy uh, home run threat in many situations. Really bailed Penn State out a few times last year with his speed and his ability to get behind the defensive backs and the secondary. This is going to be a very big question going into this year. Who's, who is going to step up and be that guy? And that's one of the questions that was presented to us on Twitter from Camden for Drew, who asked, are wide receivers going to be an X factor between great and elite next year? The answer is yes. <laughs> uh, who could be that guy that steps up to be the alpha on the outside, a la Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin? I don't know if there is a definitive answer to this right now. There are obviously a number of options that we're going to keep an eye on starting this spring uh, with Justin Shorter leaving and KJ Hamler on his way to the NFL, uh, Taylor Stubblefield and Kirk Shiraka. They're going to have a lot to evaluate beginning of spring. But of course, the one guy I think there is going to be the big key here, probably Daniel George, who is a former four-star player, got a chance to start in the Cotton Bowl. You know, Mac Hippenhammer is a name that's been floating around. We're just kind of waiting to see if he'll be able to take that next step. Uh, Jahan Johnson, I think, is going to be one of those guys that is certainly going to be a starter, but it would be nice to see him kind of step things up a little bit. And of course, you do have the reliable tight end with Pat Fryermuth. That's always a safe bet that's going to help uh, come into play, and you can rely on him, but it will really help Penn State if they can complement uh, Pat Fryermuth's ability with a solid running game, if they can get some good wide receiver development. So those are the couple guys that I have in mind. Of course, I wrote about this on Athlon Sports as well. I pointed out Daniel George as being the guy that I think a lot of people should be paying attention to just to see if he can take those next steps beginning this spring. If Penn State does get those wide receivers to take some steps forward, then you're going to see Penn State's title odds in the Big Ten to start to be a little bit more favorable. And you know what? They're not that unfavorable right now. Coming up in our next segment, we'll talk about the Big Ten title odds that have been released, and we'll see what to make of them going into the 2020 season. Right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Locked On Nittany. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Locked On Nittany. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But... You may not know that Locked On Nittany Lions is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Penn State fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Penn State fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses, so check the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. 
We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. And we look forward to hearing from you. On one of our podcasts last week, we discussed the early national championship odds that were released by one of the sports books that are out there. And I think we also talked about the Heisman odds as well. Well, today we're going to dig into some of the initial batches of the Big Ten championship odds. And, you know, it's not too surprising to see that Penn State is among the favorites to win the Big Ten next year. But we're going to run through these odds and we'll kind of give some thoughts along the way and kind of suggest why some of the odds may be where they are. Uh, but first of all, let me just point out that these odds were provided to me by Sports Betting Dime. This is not sponsored or anything like that. This is just for informational and potentially entertainment purposes. But this is in no way affiliated as a sponsor or anything like that. So I just want to make that full disclaimer right now. This is just me sharing the information that has been relayed to me with no obligation to share this information. But I always do find uh, the early odds very fascinating. I think a lot of times, like I said last week, a lot of times the odds are maybe a little bit too reactionary to what just transpired in the previous season. This is probably more so the case with national championship odds. But I think as we're going through these with the Big Ten odds, I think there's a lot of stuff that seems pretty legitimate and pretty spot on as far as I'm concerned. But I should say that it is no surprise that the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Two-time defending Big Ten champions are now the absolute favorite to win the Big Ten in 2020. This is not a surprising development at all, having been the kind of program they've been in the last couple of years. And I think Ryan Day, as a head coach, has certainly proved that uh, Ohio State's not going to be slowing down anytime soon. Ohio State is the, the, the betting favorite as of January 15, 2020, when these odds were relayed to me from Sports Betting Dime. Ohio State is a 3-2 to two favorite to win the Big Ten. Not at all surprised to see that. Wisconsin has the second best odds at five to one. And again, not too surprising considering the fact of how these odds are have to be put together. It doesn't necessarily mean that Wisconsin is the second best team in the Big Ten, just that obviously, first of all, they're coming from a different division. It may be easier to get to the Big Ten championship game from the Big Ten West, potentially. And you you have to figure if you have an easier chance just to get to the Big Ten title game, you never know what's going to happen. Wisconsin obviously jumped on Ohio State early in last year's Big Ten championship game before Ohio State roared back the way that Ohio State typically does unless they're playing Clemson. Uh, So I feel like Wisconsin being the second best bet doesn't necessarily stun me. You know, they're losing some key players, though. (laughs) There's no question about that. So I don't know if that's the kind of odds that'll stick there compared to where maybe Penn State or Michigan will be by the time the season actually starts. And and let me just make that point right now before I tell you what Penn State's odds. Uh, It it is important to note that sometimes these odds will be adjusted once the money starts coming in. So while Ohio State is a three to two favorite right now, Wisconsin at five to one is the second best odds. doesn't necessarily mean those odds will stay there between now and the start of the season, which is only 31 Saturdays away, by the way. But I do feel like I should just make a note of that. But Penn State comes in with the third best odds among all Big Ten teams, uh, being listed at 6-1 to one odds. So right, right in the same neighborhood as Wisconsin, not too far off the, the level for where Ohio State is. And I think when you start to take a look at the schedule, the way things are, could potentially be playing out, it is uh, not at all a surprising idea to think that Penn State could play for the Big Ten title. We're going to discuss this plenty as we go forward this offseason with a whole eye on that whole 2020 schedule. Ohio State's coming to Penn State. Penn State has played Ohio State 
more consistently than a lot of teams around the Big Ten have the last few years. Obviously, Ohio State has had the upper hand in most of those situations, but Penn State has been right there. They've had their chances, and I think of all the teams in the Big Ten are concerned, no team has played Ohio State closer. So Penn State, with a lot to look forward to this season, as we've said before and we'll continue saying this offseason, with uh, Ohio State coming in, uh, it's going to be a raucous environment. It's going to be the whiteout crowd, so winning that game could potentially be the difference between not playing for the Big Ten title and playing for the Big Ten title. So win that game against Ohio State, and all of a sudden those odds to win the Big Ten will certainly swing in Penn State's favor, at least compared to Ohio State. But <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to get into But before we get uh, too carried away here. But Penn State 6-1 to seems right on the money. Seems like it's a pretty uh, logical choice to have them with third best odds because I think Penn State's going to have a really good team in 2020. I think there's going to be a lot to look forward to this upcoming season. Is it worthy of uh, being ahead of Ohio State? Not yet, but I think that they're right in the conversation, at least as far as the Big Ten title race is concerned. So 6-1 to odds, uh, third best on the board for the Big Ten, uh, according to the sportsbook. Pretty pretty, uh, reasonable to me. Going down the board, things start to get a little interesting. Now, Michigan at 12 to 1 doesn't seem that unrealistic to me. You know, that's something that could potentially increase as we get closer to the season because I do think Michigan's going to just in general get a lot of common betting money placed on them just because they are Michigan. And I think they're one of the schools that are out there that will tend to get a lot of money placed on them to win. Uh, the Big Ten or a spot in the playoff or whatever it may be, uh, just because they're Michigan, the history is there. There's a lot of Michigan money out there. So keep an eye on that. I, I think at 12 to 1, that may have a chance to get a little bit better. Uh, I think the reason that Michigan has uh, that much of a difference between uh, where they are and where Penn State is and where, where Wisconsin is because of what happened last season. Obviously, Ohio State obliterated them. They lost to Penn State. They lost to Wisconsin. Um, but I don't know if we should be writing Michigan off yet. I do think that Michigan's going to be, once again, a tough team to deal with in 2020. Can they win some of those key games? That's going to be the big key, once again, for Jim Harbaugh and Michigan. It's the same old story, and I think it'll be the same story uh, once again next season because Michigan's going to have some challenges throwing their way. But you know, 12-1 to going in with what they've got coming back next year, I don't think that that's a bad bet. I think if I were to place a couple bucks on one team, Michigan might be the team I would go with at 12 to 1. Or how about Minnesota? Minnesota and Iowa actually have the same odds there at 19 to 1. Obviously, both behind Wisconsin in that Big Ten West as far as that race is concerned. But I think um, you know, Minnesota's not flying under the radar. <laughs> that's for sure. They took a lot of people by storm last season. I don't think P.J. Flex is going to be slowing down too much. And, of course, Iowa's always probably going to be in the mix. That division may come down to that last regular season game between Wisconsin and Iowa, which is weird. I, I think that Wisconsin and Minnesota should play that final game of the season, and Iowa and Nebraska should play. But for whatever reason, it's going to be Wisconsin and Iowa in the last game of the regular season. We'll see if that plays out. I think that that division could very well come down to that game. Uh, and then we start to see some real separation here. Indiana at 35-1. to Michigan State at 45-1. to uh, and I think a lot of that with Michigan State is they've been pretty average the last few years and they're playing in the same division as Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. So the, it's going to take a lot for Michigan State to get better odds there. But, you know, you know, maybe put a couple bucks on Michigan State just in case. But I think that it's probably just throwing your money away at that point. Illinois coming in at 90 to 1. And then we get into the real bottom of the barrel here. How about Nebraska and Purdue? both with 150 to 1 odds. You think Nebraska fans are happy to see that they had the same odds to win the Big Ten as Purdue? 
Well, at least it's better than 201 for Northwestern, who just played for the Big Ten Championship a couple of seasons ago. And then you got Maryland down at 301, followed by Rutgers at 1,001, with Greg Schiano having the longest of long shots to win a Big Ten Championship. Of course, it's only year one for him at Rutgers, so we're not going to get too carried away with that. But yeah, obviously, there's a big difference between Rutgers and Maryland and really the rest of the division, because the rest of the division has at least 45 to 1 odds to win the, the Big Ten Championship. So, what do you think, guys? You think any of those odds are good? You think the Penn State is six to one is uh, pretty spot on? I think it is. I, I think that's right where they probably should be going into the next season. Again, I'm not a huge betting expert, but I look at the the order that these teams are ranked as far as the, the odds are concerned, and I think Penn State at six to one, just behind Wisconsin at five to one, seems pretty legit to me. That's going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. Bear with me as we kind of reshuffle a couple things so we can talk about the big uh, Kobe Bryant story at the beginning of the podcast. So I appreciate you guys letting me get through that. And we will continue talking some state football as the podcast continues this offseason and this week. I'm going to be stepping away at the end of the week for a vacation. I'll be back in the middle of next week, but we'll try to have some content for you while I'm gone. And of course, you can always subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you never miss an episode by hitting us up on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. You can even tell your Alexa devices to play us on Tuned In app, and it's pretty cool because you can listen to us in any room or if you have Alexa in the car. That's awesome too. I know I'm addicted to it right now, and hopefully you guys will add that to your routine as well. Of course, we also hope that you'll not only subscribe to our podcast, but leave us a rating, leave us a review on all your podcasting apps of choice. It does help with the placement on those apps, and of course, we just appreciate the feedback. So we also want you to be a part of the show, so make sure you're following us on Twitter, at LockedOnNittany, Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Send us your questions at any time. We'll try to incorporate them in the show. If you have comments about what we talk about on the show, or if you have suggestions on what you want us to talk about we'll take those into consideration as well we'll try to incorporate all that stuff into the show because we want this podcast to be as much about you as it is about penn state football so with all that out of the way i'm kevin mcguire again make sure you follow me on twitter at kevin on cfb you can check out my national content and coverage on athlonsports.com and nbcsports.com's college football talk i will say i've got a couple things that are going up on athlon sports I believe today. So I'll be sharing those with you guys as well. We're talking about some players around the Big Ten that are going to be replacing players leaving early for the NFL draft, which we sort of talked about earlier in today's episode with regards to the wide receiver position. And I also have a look at some of the top 25 games of the college football season coming up in 2020. Penn State's mentioned a few times, and I did have to leave a few off for some honorable recognitions, but I'll be sure to expand on that a little bit as well. That's all for today. Have a great day. Have a great week. Let's get your week started on the right foot. Go 1-0 today. Go 1-0 every day this week. And we'll be back with some more Penn State football talk right here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you later.